People are stupid. Live to tape. Hello and welcome to Millennial 514. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And I'm Pat. I have had a week from hell. Laura, do you remember on a recent installment of Landy, I was telling you about the noises coming out of my walls? Correct. Yes, it was. I believe it was demons. Yes. Well, we opened the walls up and (laughs) it was demons. You were right. No, we decided to finally open up the walls. And I was scared about this because obviously opening up walls is an expensive project. Since I moved here last year, I was having these noises in the bathroom. About four or five months ago, these noises also started happening in a completely separate wall in the kitchen. So I was like, all right, I can't take this anymore because we couldn't, I couldn't sleep at night. The bathroom door had to be closed or else I would hear these noises in the middle of the night because for some reason, some downstairs neighbors of mine occasionally shower at like 4 a.m. So over the past week, (laughs) we've been getting these walls opened up and I think it is fixed. The guy just left. He has to come over one more time to finish uh, drywalling and uh, smoothing out the walls. So it looks like it never happened. But I had giant holes in the walls and I posted a picture on our Patreon. And I also added some millennial and MuggleCast stickers to the inside wall so they can (laughs) live there forever. I just can't wait for a hundred years from now when somebody opens up the walls and finds these stickers and is like what the fuck are these no that's how we're gonna get our newest listeners andrew yes yes <laughs> episode ten thousand. i purposely did not use the i didn't put the trumpster fire sticker up on the wall because there's like a 50 50 chance that the carpenter is a trump supporter so i just didn't want to risk it and then he would have done a bad job and would have been all for nothing but this project is costing me. I I th- I think I've lost track. I think it's close to twenty five hundred dollars now. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of money. <laughs> we sealed up the walls a few hours ago, and I'm praying to God that I don't hear those noises again. Because if I do, all that money will have gone to waste. Really, I mean, it's definitely a big improvement, but it's just, oh, I'm really scared. Yeah, that's the scary part about homeownership. You know, sometimes it can be a little bit of a gamble. Yeah. I mean, this has really turned me off from like, if I ever wanted to get like a rental, buy a place that I turned into a rental or something, shit like this can come up. And oh my God, no, I can't do this anymore. Had a plumber fix a toilet. That was a couple hundred dollars last week too. <laughs> ah, I'm broke. You know what? What's great though? Perfect timing. I decided last week to also order the Tesla after all. So on top of all these other expenses, I'm also buying an electric car for some reason. Wait, you're actually going to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Andrew. It's coming next week. Whoa. He just got 10 times hotter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, wait, I have questions. How does Tesla delivery work? Like, does it just self-drive up to your address and just park outside? Like... It's going to drive up within my walls and break through the whole set that used to be there. <laughs> no, um, actually, you can get it delivered to your place, but I'm just going to go pick it up at a Tesla 
dealership. Yeah, I decided to do it because I ended up doing the math and it wasn't so bad on me. And, you know, Pat's going to be moving in later this year and that's going to free up some money. Oh, I didn't know about that. Congratulations. <laughs> it's like now he can't change his mind. <laughs> I mean, if there's yeah. a Tesla involved. That's true. That's all the more reason to move, honestly. Lock it down. Put a ring on it. <laughs> I mean, in the Teslas, in the long run, you are saving so much money. Because every time <laughs> you fill up your charge, you're at least spending, if you are at a place that's charging, at least half the amount that you would have on gas. There's no fluids in your car whatsoever, except for your windshield wiper fluid. The guy was explaining that, like, most people don't have to change their brakes until well over 100,000 miles. So you're saving so much money on maintenance oh, yeah. that really it's going it, to it's gonna be worth it in the long run. You, you know what? That is a big save because I have to replace brakes on my car and it's going to be about two, a little over $200 to do that. Yeah, I had to replace mine after 25,000 miles. Like that's ridiculous in the, in the scheme of things. Wait, I'm still stuck on... When you charge up your car, it's half the cost of filling up your gas tank. Is that what you said? Yeah. So if you're at a at a station that does charge you to fill to charge your car, it's on average maybe like ten ten dollars, fifteen dollars for the three hundred mile range. I guess I just never imagined that you would pay to charge it. Like it makes sense. I understand why because electricity is not free. But it's just a th- not something that ever occurred to me. I thought that you just plugged in at a it's charging station. It's mainly like the supercharger <laughs> yeah. stations because that'll do a full charge in like 30 uh, okay. minutes. There are a ton of free charging stations, including our movie theater that we always go to and our local Whole Foods. And it's going to be a goal of mine to always use those free charging stations. I also don't drive a crazy amount. So like, I think it'll be pretty easy to rely on the free charging solutions. So we'll see. I mean, it's it is a little nerve wracking. Pat's talking like it's gonna almost save me money, but it's definitely not going to do that. Well, in the long run, it probably will. I guess, and they do have a great warranty. I mean, they la- it's a hundred twenty thousand mile warranty, or bumper eight to years. bumper too. Yeah, bumper to bumper, and like Pat was saying, no oil changes. You do have to get the tires changed more frequently because it's a heavier car. So we'll see how that goes. But you know what? If I don't like it, okay, I'll sell it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Pat will be upset, but I mean, like, legit, Pat has to move in now because I'm banking on that to save me a lot of money. That's now going to go to the <laughs> Tesla. <laughs> well, then once my car's paid off, maybe I could sell it and put the money towards us getting an X. No, he was trying to talk me into buying this <laughs> SUV Tesla. It's seriously like eighty thousand dollars. I'm like, are you kidding me? <sighs> well, by then the Y will be out, and the Y is the cheaper version of the X, so then we're golden. How about the Z? When does the Z come out? Well, they spelled sexy, so I don't know what he's going to spell now. Oh, that's what they were doing. They're clever. They're clever. Yeah. The Tesla S, the E, there was no E. The three. Oh, the three. Was, oh, my God. Nerds. <laughs> the X, the Y. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Anyway, Pam, what did you get up to this weekend? I went to see Shazam on Friday. And I heard you guys saw it too, right? Yeah. Did you like it? I did. I think that I've seen mixed reviews all around online. But, you know, I think the way that I review movies is definitely not the way that, you know, like a a movie writer would. I, I just like to go to the theater 
And if I'm having a good time and I get to just like chill and suspend reality for a little bit, then I'm good. So I thought it was really, it was like a fun time at the movies. Yeah. That's how I felt too. I had to kind of drag Pat to go because he doesn't like the DC movies in general. He's a Marvel guy and that's Mm -hmm. fine. But like we have this movie theater that is so close by. We can walk to it. It's literally a 45 second walk. So I was like, come on, let's just go. Let's just go. And he relented. And um, I ended up liking it. I thought the third act was so funny. Oh, my God. Yeah. So um, there, there is a lot of cast members that I did not realize were going to be in this movie. One in particular is very near and dear to my heart. The teenage <laughs> girl inside me <laughs> had a <laughs> heart attack. <laughs> And um, yeah, that was really great. Like full blown flailing in my seat in the theater because I did not know. And I've never been happier about not keeping up with movie news in my life. Yeah. I wonder if they they probably tried to keep that a secret. And I guess they pulled it off. They did. It was it was good. I'm sure I'm not the only one. We uh, so this movie theater that's really close by. I like it because it's so close. I have no excuse to not see every movie that plays there. But it's a janky theater. But it's so close. So I can't say no. So, <laughs> it, there's always something happening in this movie theater. Uh, it's got four screens. We go in. We sit down. Beep. Beep. Every 30 seconds. A smoke alarm in the theater has a low battery. We're listening to the smoke alarm beep <laughs> oh, for the entire movie. Before it started, I went out. I said, hey, uh, can you fix this? Oh, no, man. Sorry. It's up really high. We'll turn the volume up louder. Oh, great. So uh, we'll still hear it during the quiet parts and maybe not during the loud parts. And we did hear it the whole time. But It wasn't too distracting, though. Not as bad as the little bitches in front of us during Dumbo. <laughs> Uh, that's another thing I wanted to talk about today. Annoying people in the movie theaters. Pat, what happened to us two weeks ago? So these dumb little hoes, probably are like 10 (laughs) years old, they're sitting like legitimately they went away from the rest of their group of friends that they walked into the theater with to sit directly in front of us. And then both of them and their frizzy prepubescent hair were on Snapchat this whole fucking movie to the point where I finally was like, you don't need to snap during the movie. And then the one girl did it again with her fucking flash on in the middle of the movie theater. And I was like, are you serious? Like, seriously? You should have pretended you were an undercover, um, you know, investigator trying to prevent people from filming movies (laughs) and just like scared the crap out of them. God, I should have. But I'm like, who who are these these people like really you don't go on your phone or anything during any form of entertainment? I mean, I guess a concert's one thing, but not a movie, not theater, nowhere else. They took a good 20 snaps before the movie even started just to themselves like at the theater oh my god seeing dumbo and it's just my, like why my whole thing is like it's expensive to go to the movies i i yeah. get it you know maybe you just need a place to hang for a bit but if i'm paying eight twelve fifteen dollars to see something i'm gonna watch it because that's a lot of money exactly exactly I would actually probably go to the movie theater more if the theaters offered some sort of guarantee about like watching the audience for any troublesome people or something. Because half the time I go, I'm thinking about that before I go into the theater. I'm like, all right, what's going to piss me off this time? 
there's just always something. Well, I'm just glad to know that I'm not the only person who yells at people in movie theaters, Pat. <laughs> oh, I will have no problems. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, and this I only had the guts to yell at them or like kick their seat because they were kids. Like if that was a full grown adult sitting right in front of me, I probably would not have the guts to be like, stop that. Oh, I once, when I saw Book of Mormon when it toured in Chicago, I almost took a phone out of a woman's hand who kept filming parts of the show. <laughs> oh, Full my God. Room, like, she had to have been at least almost 40, and I talked to her twice, and she still did it. And I was like, do you want me to take your phone from you? Because I will. That happened to us at Captain Marvel. A woman was filming multiple clips for Snapchat. Really? Why? Why? I'm glad you're happy to see a woman leading a superhero movie. Like, that's the only reason I could kind of be okay with it, if you're, like, super excited in that regard. But please, no. Please. Well, like, I feel like an old man yelling at a cloud thing, but, like, where did the actual, like, just common decency of people being in public go? Yeah. Imagine if that was happening to you, Taper, Snapper. Laura, you saw another movie this weekend, right? I did. I saw Pet Cemetery. Um, it is definitely a departure from the source material. So if you're going into this movie wanting an adaption that is like page per, for page from the book, you're not going to get it. That said, I liked some of the changes they made, and I thought that they allowed the movie to be a little scarier. Um the little kid in this movie is creepy as fuck. The things that she can do with her face, I I just can't even. Um, but it was it was like an enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> Jewel is saying so talented. She was my fave. I'm so glad to hear you agree with me, Jewel, because you're also just right about everything. Um, but yeah, it was it was really enjoyable watch. Um, we had kind of a funny moment when we left because one of our friends we saw it with had not really done any research on the movie or the book or even seen the trailer. So she was for a movie called Pet Cemetery. She was not expecting what she got. And she, <laughs> she was a little pissed off when she came out of the theater because she thought it was going to be all about pets attacking people. Oh, yeah, it's not. No. I mean, there's like some of that, but there's more to it than that. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I recommend it. It was good. It was fun. Yeah. We asked on Patreon if you've had any bad movie going experiences because we knew we'd be talking about these today. Luke said, went to see us last weekend and every time something creepy would happen, multiple groups of people would start chatting with one another. There was so much talking that a woman started to yell to people, can you shut up? We were trying to watch a movie. And then a few of the kids that were talking yelled back, now you're being even louder. And then she stormed off and went and got an employee. When she came back, the employee stood on the staircase talking, distracting everyone. The people who were talking kept giggling because they thought it was funny this woman was doing this. And to be clear, it wasn't just one group talking. It was little groups all over. Pat, you actually uh, wanted to go see this movie because you actually like that kind of experience. Well, for that type if, of movie. If you're in the right theater, like when I saw Get Out, it was in a theater where I was having that kind of experience and people would be like, that dumb white bitch, what you doing? Like, I like that kind of stuff because um, it kind of made that movie 
more like fun to be in, but I know us is a different feel than get out. So I don't think I would have liked it in that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah said, I went to see Pet Cemetery over the weekend. Somebody brought an infant or toddler. They oh. were crying through parts of the movie. Why are they bringing a baby to an R-rated? Yeah. There's like a zombie cat that's really creepy in this movie. I don't... Dead children. Like, I just don't recommend it for kids under like 12. We we had a, a baby recently i think it was dumbo pat but that parent was great he took the kid out immediately some of these parents they just hope the kid's gonna stop and they don't the theater that i usually go to which is just the closest one to my house they have uh crybaby showings that's what they call them (laughs) so that parents with kids can specifically go to these movies and i only found out about it obviously like i wouldn't because i don't have kids but I only found out because I really wanted to go see Crazy Rich Asians and it was the first showing available. And the guy told me straight up, because it's not listed on Fandango. He was like, just a heads up. This is a crybaby showing. And I was like, what does that mean? And he told me and I said, oh, that's cool. You know, it's my bad. But and he's like, yeah, if at any point you feel like, oh, it's too distracting because the volume is also a little bit lower. So kids don't get scared. Just come back and we'll give you a refund and you can just come another day. But I thought it was really cool that, you know, there are theaters that do that. So shout out to uh, Reading Cinemas, which is the chain by my house, because they have that available. Yeah. Um, Hayden says when he saw Force Awakens, there were kids who were chewing loudly. See, that type of thing personally doesn't bother me. But he has misophonia. Misophonia. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right where he can't stand mouth sounds and they were loudly chewing with their mouth open the whole movie. Oh God. That sucks. Mouth open. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just people got to think about what they're doing. When we were at Shazam, somebody was like commentating throughout the movie, very short bursts, but it's like, do you think people want to hear this? No. Anyway, thanks to Victor, Josh, Sean, Hayden, JY, Sarah, and Luke for submitting answers. And before we move on into some news, we just wanted to provide a quick little disclaimer here that we are still keeping an eye out for the release of the Mueller report. Attorney General Barr said that it's supposed to be released sometime in the middle of April, if not sooner. Um, What's really of interest right now is that there are some leaks that recently came from Mueller's team saying that Barr is downplaying how damaging the report is for Trump. So for those who don't remember, um, Bill Barr reported that Robert Mueller did not find evidence of collusion between Donald Trump and the Russian government. But apart from that, um, Barr's summary of the Mueller report didn't reveal much else. So there's 400 pages of really interesting information out there that we're waiting to get our hands on. And I have a feeling that when it does come out, we'll probably do a breaking news. Yeah. And you're going to read the whole thing live on air, right? I mean, if y'all want to sit for like 10 hours, I will. <laughs> well, <laughs> you'll sit for 10 hours and record it. Yeah. And I'll listen to it at 8x playback. Yeah. Well, and also I can I can like intersparse little things every now and then to make sure everyone's still awake. So right <laughs> as you're like starting to nod off, I can be like, and then he said, pee on me, Russian prostitutes. <laughs> just kidding (laughs) all right well we'll uh keep an eye on that and what are we talking about in after dark today laura we are going to be talking about an uber ride gone terribly wrong and 
some of the practices that we put into place to make sure that we're safe with a lot of these ride sharing apps. We're also going to be sharing some of the things that we did as young people that we now realize in retrospect very easily could have gotten us killed. So it'll be an interesting discussion. Yeah. And reading over Laura's notes for After Dark today, I realize we're entering an Uber incorrectly, Pat, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> we do like exactly what we shouldn't. So I think most of us do. Your support goes to hiring social media managers, for example, like Jewel, who is uh, tuned in, who is in our virtual studio tonight, which I just love. Uh, She's awesome. She is. Thank you to our newest patrons, Alexander, Drew, Sarah, Lucia, Josh, and Julia. Just been uh, handed a bill here, and it looks like your support also goes to paying for my walls. (laughs) So thank you. You know what's making me feel better about the wall situation? My handy guy, who who's really great. I've enjoyed his company, even though he's uh, cost me quite a pretty penny. Uh, he needs a new website done. So I think I'm going to do that for him. And I'm going to make most of this money back. <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to it because I've never created a website for like a brick and mortar business before. And I'm going to try to score him some business and stuff. So it'll be a fun project. And I won't go broke. So that's great, too. Very good. All right. Well, before we move on to the news, we just wanted to hear from one of our sponsors for hers. Depending on where you live, getting your birth control when you need it can be a real hassle. And with so many options available, there has to be a better way for us to be in control of our reproductive health. For hers is here to level the healthcare playing field by making access to birth control easier than ever. For Hers was fought for by a woman for women and is helping women across the country get convenient and affordable access to birth control. The days of booking an appointment in your red state and being forced to let someone look up there with some cold duck lips in exchange for the pill are over. For Hers will match you up with a physician who can speak to you online. If appropriate, they'll prescribe you birth control that can be delivered to your front door. I'm lucky in that I've already used telemedicine services in the past, and they are so convenient. It takes so much hassle out of my day to be able to speak to someone from the comfort of home or wherever I am for quick solutions. And For Hers puts the purchasing power back in your hands, bundling all the costs of receiving your birth control into one low price of $30 without the need for insurance. Our listeners can get their first month of birth control from forhers.com for just $5 right now while supplies last and subject to doctor approval. See website for full details. Go to forhers.com slash millennial. That's F-O-R-H-E-R-S dot com slash M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L. Forhers.com slash millennial. Get it on. Pat, I'm sorry that birth control... Is not going to work for us. Uh, well, well, fortunately, neither of you can produce a baby on your own. <laughs> I accept your challenge. <laughs> <laughs> we hear Pat just sign off and come over. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, Pat, ah, get away. Get away. Try the podcast. <laughs> so, Pat, we know you love farms and farmers and dairy and... all kinds of natural things. And your discussion this week is about GMOs. You wanted to educate us on these? Yes. So today I want to talk about GMOs because there's a misconception out there that they're bad for you, but it's really just a marketing scheme. And before we get into everything, all the information and all the research that I've done has come from the 
USDA, the FDA, scientific peer-reviewed articles, and the non-GMO project website, as well as an article from Forbes and from the Genetic Literacy Project. So what you're saying is nobody call out this information. (laughs) They can try, but I did my research. So when I first say like GMOs, what is the three of your thoughts on that topic? Uh, Dangerous chemicals. Genetic modification. Okay. Yeah, just something that's uh, that doesn't naturally occur. And do you know anything actually about GMOs to begin with? Out like just layman's terms, anything that you've heard don't they, in the news or anything? Don't they use them to breed different kinds of fruit? Like, <laughs> like I feel like I've had like an apple that was crossed with like a strawberry <laughs> or something. <laughs> Did you get that from an imperfect produce box? That sounds like something that would be (laughs) Sort of. So those, I I do know what you're talking about. We, at least growing up, I remember them being called grapples, where there was like an apple and a grape mixed together. But instead of, like, it, it was just like soaking apples in artificial grape flavoring or strawberry flavoring. So it's not really modifying the genetic material of those plants. But with GMOs, I mean, it's been going on forever since the 1700s. And it's been going on slowly ever since then with farmers and scientists modifying just by doing crossbreeding and stuff like that. Now, what really pushed the GMOs into the forefront was actually tobacco back in the 80s. It was the first plant using biotechnology to make an antibiotic-resistant tobacco plant. And then in 1986, they developed herbicide resistance and then insect resistance in 87. So you can kind of blame all the smokers out there for making GMOs more popular. The second plant that we ever had on the market, though, was the tomato back in 1994 to make longer shelf life, which are still out there now. Basically, every tomato now has this gene in it so that it'll have a longer shelf life after it is picked. It was just so short that they were probably wasting a ton of them, I assume. Weirdly enough, there's two fruits out there that we've been using for at least 100 years now that people forget are genetically modified. And that's seedless watermelon and seedless grapes. And you don't ever see people in the news freaking out about the watermelon they're eating or the grapes that they're eating. I've always wondered about that. Like, I legit used to think that they somehow just suck the seeds out of the watermelon so that it's seedless. Nope. <laughs> I always thought it had to do with size. Because, like, a lot of seedless watermelons are a little bit smaller or they're different shapes. Probably because they're genetically modified. Oh. I <laughs> just wonder, like, it's kind of like a chicken or the egg situation. What came first, the seed or the seedless watermelon? <laughs> I don't I'm trying to imagine how this would work. And I, I think it's something that w- with the watermelons, it did sort of happen by accident. Because I know growing up, even in, in our own garden on our farm, we accidentally like we planted, was it zucchini and squash too close to each other? So when they pollinated, we were getting like zook squashes and stuff like that. So I think how the watermelons actually came about like way 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 back in the early 
um, 1900s was that it was probably by accident from all the, at least that's what I gathered. Would you wake up in the middle of the night to the noise of a zucchini and a squash fucking? <laughs> ah! <laughs> that's your no. sound for vegetables fucking. <laughs> ah! <laughs> uh, so, yeah, squash. Ah. <laughs> and one thing that I, I wanted to kind of make clear before moving forward is that there is a very limited amount of plants that have been approved by the USDA and the FDA to actually be produced in mass. And how many of those do you think there are out there? Like how many plants? I bet it's low five that have been approved. I'm going to say yes. 10. Oh, I feel like it must be higher now that you've brought up the tomato thing. Uh, I'll say 25. Well, weirdly, though, the tomatoes, grapes, and watermelon are not included in these li- in this oh, list. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, They've just I'll, been around I'll go a little so higher. long, I'll still say 25. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Laura is right. There are only 10. Ah, look at me. Um, those 10 plants are corn, soybeans, cotton, canola, alfalfa, sugar beets, papayas, squash, Arctic apples and innate potatoes. And there is only one animal out there that has been genetically modified, which is the Aqua Bounty salmon. It's genetically modified to reach market size more quickly. So, with those plants, my biggest issue with GMOs is how that all of these products nowadays have this fad of being labeled as GMO-free, where half the time any of the ingredients inside of it aren't one of those 10 plants. My issue is like that false advertising that you see of all these companies using the scare tactics or the fad of... So wait, but they're saying they're GMO-free just to make people feel better about them, right? Because GMOs have a bad image right now. Right. You have companies like Chipotle that say everything in their store is GMO-free. Great. They do have corn in there. I'm sure that is not a a GMO, but granted, humans eat sweet corn and not field corn. So that's not a part of it to begin with. But they're also lying because there's corn syrup in the sodas, and that corn syrup is coming from corn that is most likely a GMO, so are you telling the full truth then, Chipotle, or not? Well, soda's a different case, though. That's not that's not the food. True. No. But your store isn't 100% GMO-free then. Or I, I remember seeing at Target this brand of soup that's like called, it's Campbell's, I think it's Yes Ready Soup, or, or Yes Well Soup, that advertises it as being GMO-free, but literally none of the products in the soup are any of those 10. So why do it? And in all my research that I came across is that it is technically illegal for them to advertise it that way, but there's just not enough regulation to be able to actually catch all of these companies from doing it. Is it kind of like when um, things say that they're organic, but then it doesn't have the seal that says USDA organic certified? Right. Yeah. There is a company out there called the Non-GMO Project where they can get certified and have that label put on it, which you would see out in the markets. It's called the butterfly label, but it says non-GMO product or non-GMO food. I recommended pretzel crisps on the show a couple of weeks ago. 
they have the USDA organic stamp on it and the non-GMO project stamp on it. I'm like, you're pretzels. Who the hell cares if you're organic or non-GMO? Yeah. It's like when Red Vines say they're gluten-free. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> right. Like what ingredients in there are going to have gluten in them? So exactly. I have what is very possibly an ignorant question. What is the benefit to buying something that is GMO-free? Honestly, from all the research that I did with how rigorous the testing is in it, there's really no benefit to having a GMO-free item or not, because they said there's been no allergy like reaction or nutritional comparisons that are making it unhealthy for you to have a GMO product that you're eating. You're saying nobody has died eating seedless watermelon? I mean, I'm sure somebody may have choked on it or something, but nobody's died from the watermelon poisoning them or anything. So is this essentially like a fad diet thing similar to how gluten isn't going to hurt you unless you're celiac? I think so. And I think it's also a way for these companies to make money. One of the points that I found in doing my research over the past few weeks is that when it comes to a GMO product being referred to as a GMO, it has to contain DNA in it. And for example, oils from any of these crops don't contain any DNA because it's being synthesized from the plant. So like corn oil, olive oil, anything like that doesn't have any DNA in it. And with the FDA guidelines established in March of this past year, so just a few weeks ago, corn oil could say, just to be transparent, it is a food derived from genetically engineered plants to just voluntarily let customers know that. But then out there, there's an avocado oil, which avocados are not on that list of GMO plants. So you can go out and buy a bottle of avocado oil for $1.47 for a 100 milliliter bottle. There's another bottle the exact same size with that label of being a non-GMO project that can sell for $5.40, so almost four times more money just because it has that label on it, even though it has no relation to being a GMO to begin with. And then you have things like salt or water, which have absolutely no genetic material in them at all, that will still put this label on it so they they can be sold for more money. Uh, Over in the Discord, Elvira is talking about, she has a degree in this that'll come in really handy with this discussion. Uh, She says, there have been very few long-term studies on the harmful effects of GMOs. And when there have been studies, there's no difference between a product that contains GMO versus a product that does not. Yeah, it's a scare tactic. Yeah. And I think this is what Farmer Pat is trying to tell us. He's trying to tell us, don't be afraid of products just because they might have GMOs in it. Or similarly, don't try to stick with non-GMO products just because they're non-GMOs. I wonder when we're going to start seeing a lot of people claiming to have GMO allergies. (laughs) Right? I wonder. You know if it it hasn't happened already, it's going to. I'm going to start sneezing around you, Laura. I'm going to be like, oh, did you just have a seedless watermelon? (laughs) I I feel like it's going to be the new gluten intolerance. (laughs) I feel like I know somebody that like a while ago said that that GMO products that have GMO gave her migraines or made her more susceptible to migraines. What? Which... Like she probably doesn't even know when she's eating. Probably not. That's the thing. I don't really know that much about this clearly, but I could understand if somebody came at we me with the argument like, 
hey, there's a study that shows there's actually a really severe environmental impact that comes as a result of GMOs. But it just seems like based on this conversation and just like the little bit of Googling I've done in the last 15 minutes, that most of people's um, objection to this is just the fact that these are genetically modified foods. And people don't like feeling like they're not putting something natural in their body. And I do have an argument to that that I think is pretty simple. Like, if you're going to argue that, are you going to go out and eat a Snickers then where there's chemicals right, and stuff exactly. in that? Yeah. Have are you, you going to drink soda? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people act like they can try to, they're taking the high road, but there's always something. There's always something you're screwing up here, whether it's with GMOs or with gluten, unless you have the allergy. Um, or. Right. And, and people can say that they're only going to eat organic, but organic farmers are allowed to use GMOs. <laughs> yeah. So that's this is exactly why I never got on the organic food wagon. Like I'm not against organic food. I'm sure I buy it sometimes, but I've never been one to specifically go out of my way to only buy things that are labeled organic, simply because there's been so much there's been so much coverage about how easy it is to actually label your shit organic when it's not. Right. And it's just a cash ply. That's all they, it's just a money buy. Yeah. Which is what I want to talk about next month is all the organics. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling I know how you feel about organics. <laughs> we'll wrap that up there. But if anybody has any feedback about GMOs, let us know. Let, let us know if uh, you disagree with anything we had to say here. Yep. We love hearing from people who disagree with us. We do. Truly. Yeah, no, we really do. I'm being serious. All right, before we move on to some more news, wanted to hear from our second sponsor this week. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Millennial a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at millennial.robinhood.com. That's millennial.robinhood.com. Pam, what did you want to talk about today? I want to talk about country music. <laughs> Yay! Oh, God. Oh. Did we invite Jeff Sessions for this discussion? <laughs> Okay, no, but seriously, uh, I want to talk about some drama going down in the country music world, specifically pertaining to the question, is it country enough? Uh, This is the topic of much debate surrounding Lil Nas X's Old Town Road. Uh, This song was originally released in December of 2018, but... Lil Nas X, who is a rapper from Atlanta, recently released a remix featuring Billy Ray Cyrus of uh, Achy Breaky Heart fame, but also Hannah Montana fame. And it's got a lot of people debating whether or not it should be considered country at all. So I have a link to the song here, and I thought we could all take a little listen to it. 
first, I just want to guess how this song is going to go. All right. I'm driving on my old town road, going nowhere fast. Got my pickup truck and some ladies in the back. Is it like that at all? <laughs> it's not, but that would have been better. Okay. Here's the real thing. Yeah, I'm going to take my horse to the old town road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. I'm going to take my horse to the old town road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back. Horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black. Got the bushes black to match. Riding on a horse. Ha, you can whip your Porsche. I've been in a valley, you ain't been up off that porch now. Can't nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Can't nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Riding on a tractor, lean all in my butt. Cheated on my baby, you can go and ask her. My life is a movie, boy riding in boobies. Cowboy hat from Gucci. Ranger on my booty. Can't nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Well, that is something. That right. So we're not here to debate whether or not this is a good song, whether or not we like it. That is a matter of personal opinion. What we really want to talk about here is whether it deserves to be classified as a country song. Obviously, this is not straight up country. It's it's definitely a song that blurs the lines. Uh, but it is a viral hit. And after it was released, the track charted on three different Billboard charts, including the Hot 100, the Hip Hop R&B chart, and also the Hot Country Songs chart, where it hit number 18. But it wasn't on that country chart for long because Billboard actually decided to remove the track probably about less than a day after it started <laughs> charting. And Billboard then released a statement saying, while the song incorporates references to country and cowboy imagery, it does not embrace enough elements of today's country music to chart in its current version. So let's talk about oh, like this. Like what? Like what elements are they talking about? There is like very little country music that is modern is actually country music, right? Like so much of it is like a pop country fusion. So I don't see why rap country should be any differently regarded. I'm actually really glad you brought this up, Laura, because I thought just in case we didn't have enough to say about this, I could find some country music fans in the Millennial Facebook group. So I asked everybody over there, and a lot of people felt the same way. Uh, Megan Kearns specifically said that she would consider it country-esque, and then went on to say it uses all of the same instruments of today's country songs. And the only difference is the bass is turned up. If Luke Bryant or Florida Georgia Line were singing about the same thing, people would 100% think it was country. I also think that if it were a popular country artist singing it word for word, beat for beat, people would think it's country too. And a lot of people that do listen to country music on the radio specifically also said that a lot of country music is very influenced by hip hop today. So it's kind of pot and kettle for sure. But the way it was sung came off like a rap song. It was like auto-tuned as well. Yeah, but he, listen, Taylor Swift is auto-tuned as fuck, Whoa. and a bunch of her recent stuff is still considered country. And it is straight up just not country. It's pop. But they're only calling it country because it's a white girl from Tennessee singing it. I actually disagree with that. I, I feel like, ta okay, Taylor Swift's most recent album is not a country album. But her earlier stuff definitely was. And that was country. That was 
popular country at the time. It was pop country. And I mean, even wasn't the... It's the Red album? Is that The Red album is considered Taylor Swift's last country album, although I would consider it her first foray into pop music, like pop genre. Yeah. Here, okay, so I, I grew up basically purely on country until I got my own like boombox as a kid. And then I started <laughs> branching out and finding my own music. And I do still like a lot of country. I think this is a shit song to begin with. <laughs> I know oh, we're not yeah. debating if it's a good song or not, but I think it is an absolute pile of shit. This kid is 19 years old and never probably knew real country and probably didn't go and do his research on it. But half of these lyrics, I mean, yeah, he mentions a horse, he mentions a tractor and bull riding, but I've never heard a country song mention boobies, which he says. It frustrates me so much because there are good rap artists who have had songs where they're, they're featured on country songs. Like, Ludacris has at least 10 songs. Snoop Dogg is in some. Nelly. I could go on and I can't think of all of them. But I think the the, the biggest issue is, and I think for the country fans, the people who are solely country fans, is that it's a rap artist attempting to make a so-called country song rather than a rap artist being featured on a song. If a song is going to chart on the top country list i think it has to be aggressively country and this is just not at all i still think it's very heavy rap with the bass line with the vocals and i actually think the decision that billboard made was the right one so what would you say to like say country djs that host programs on country radio stations playing this song does that then make the song a little bit more country no. I would if question I t- their taste. If if I was in the car and I heard this, I'd be like, I'm on a rap channel. Not on a country music channel. Okay, we can set aside the fact that we all think this is a terrible song. Like, it's it's garbage. But I don't think that just because we don't like it doesn't mean that it can't qualify as part of the genre, right? Like, I think we've established it's obviously not straight up traditional country, but most country music coming out right now also is right. not. It's evolved so much in the past yeah. 20 years. It's also interesting to me because I get um, wanting to protect a genre and keep it pure, but not as country aside, we have never been in an age more where the the lines between genres are so blurred. Um, yeah. You can even look at like Lady Gaga, for example. Joanne, while it is a pop album, she drew heavily from Americana to uh, create that sound. So it's not technically like a straight up Gaga pop album. Even somebody like Beyonce toyed with country when she teamed up with the Dixie Chicks for Daddy Lessons. Yeah. But that song is also Mm -hmm. not technically considered country by the powers that be. It was actually notably shut out of all of the country uh, categories at the Grammys by their country committee because they didn't feel that was country enough. But see, I would like to just sit down with these people and I want to know, like, okay, what what parts of the genre is this song missing? 
Because it seems like this, the whole argument is precipitated on the idea of like, oh, the song's not country enough. It's, it's not country as we would consider other songs today country. But like, what are your specifics? Right. A guitar. The, the country, um, I, one more thing I wanted to say, I completely forgot is that like the, the country fan base or like even like the people that regulate what gets played on these stations. They're super fickle because they also won't play Casey Musgraves, even though she's got like probably the most traditional country sound out there right now. And she won Best Country Album and at the Grammys for Best Album. But she doesn't like like subscribe to their standards of belief, basically, with her um, support of the LGBTQIA plus community and also singing about smoking weed and doing all of this stuff like she is the epitome of country music in terms of sounds and storytelling, but they won't play her. I think a part of it too is in this is my opinion. I don't know if it's actually a hundred percent true. A lot of times with country, the mu like the, the beat that you're hearing and the guitar and all of that kind of stuff is real. And this song to me sounds like it is completely like using a computer to make it all. Mm-hmm. So like, it's all, I, yeah, I, I think, I don't think yeah. a single real instrument in, instrument was picked up for this song. And I think that's a part of it. Like you can kind of tell that it's manufactured. It doesn't have a sort of earthy feel. And I think a lot of country music does utilize a real instrument to make the music. I think to keep things organized, they need to have some boundaries. Otherwise all weird types of songs are going to be showing up on lists where it really shouldn't if you're listening to it for 30 seconds it would just turn into a mess so i think there needs to be some guidelines well i think that's part of the problem with the music industry now is that anybody can make music all types of music it'd be like anybody can do it in in their basement In, in five minutes you can make a song and granted you have some people like lord where they come out with great stuff or you have someone like this kid where I tried to listen to other stuff of his too. And it all sounds exactly the same. That I would say is a t- not, not to like defend anything. And, and it, it's all like subject to matter of taste. Right. But mm-hmm. I really do feel that's uh, the trap influence, which is a very Atlanta sound. I think that a lot yeah, of people yeah. that have trouble mm-hmm. with like the hip hop genre today is that it's very influenced by what's coming out of Atlanta and the trap music scene. Um, so it's, it, it's just like music ebbs and flows, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But but it is like it, I can see how it can get tiring for people for sure. And I, yeah, I mean, I also I like the intermingling of different musical styles because we wouldn't have the musical styles that we have now if this hadn't happened before. I totally agree with you. Like um, neo soul is a genre that maybe a lot of people don't know by name, but I'm sure that you would know what it sounded like if you heard it. Uh, Justin Timberlake's 2020 experience, both albums are uh, very inherently neo-soul, and it's just like a really nice blend of Motown, R&B, but with like this modern pop twist and stuff. And I just, I, I agree with you. I think that blending and blurring genres makes things exciting, although it's probably not very helpful for categorizing, like Andrew said. Why don't we submit Millennial in the rock genre on iTunes? Just pick up an electric guitar or two, cut the show down <laughs> to three and a half minutes and say, hey, we're a rock band now. I think we should submit it as a country song. Sure. 
see how long it takes them to kick us out. They're going to say we don't have the right country values. <laughs> Welcome to yeah, Millennial. Like, all these people just talk about sex and butts. And you need to talk about trucks. Dildos. Sex yeah. and trucks. <laughs> well, that was my other thing. I'm like listening to the song and it's like he's talking about his tractor and his horse. I was like, yeah, sounds good to me. For you know, boxes, like, but yeah. then again, Kenny Chesney has he thinks my tractor sexy or she thinks my tractor sexy. Sorry, I made it too gay. <laughs> Well, there's always Laura? been a rumor around him. <laughs> Laura, you can submit the millennial theme in the electronic part of the iTunes store. Oh, there we go. And then they'll be like, hey, this is actually garage band. <laughs> garage, <laughs> you can't submit garage that. Garage band here. category. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we have one last story. Um, this will come as something that brings a little bit of concern to everyone on the panel, I think, because I'm pretty sure we've all seen it in an Airbnb at some point. A family that was staying at an Airbnb in Ireland discovered a hidden camera in the living room of their Airbnb. So the way they found this out was the dad is an IT professional, and he found the camera when he was getting devices connected to the Wi-Fi, after which he was able to locate the camera and pull it up and view the live stream of themselves sitting in the living room. And based on the angle, they were able to locate the camera inside a smoke detector. Upon calling the host to confront them about this creepy shit, the host just hung up the phone and it took the family posting on a blog and getting their story picked up by various outlets before Airbnb finally suspended the host from the platform for violating their terms of service. So we've all stayed in an Airbnb at some point, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Is this something that would have ever occurred to you when you were staying in one like at, at least a little bit, you're like, I'm actually in someone's home right now. What if they pop by? Or what if they're close by and they can like see as I'm coming and going? Yeah. Is that something you ever would have thought I about? I think about people just coming in. That kind of makes me anxious. Mm-hmm. But I've never thought about hidden cameras. That is terrifying. I have. And I guess it's partly because <laughs> I'm paranoid. But we're we're always surrounded by cameras when we're out and about like on city streets and in department stores. And I guess just naturally I've thought like, I wonder if that motherfucker is, has a camera secretly set up in the bathroom. Cause you know, you see it on like TV and movies uh, from time to time too. And people are weird. A lot of people might seriously consider doing it for security and make sure that nobody's damaging their stuff. But then there's also those creeps who want to sit and beat off to a tenant showering you know there's plenty of people like that out there oh sure so are there any circumstances in which we would think it was okay for an airbnb host to have a camera like i was thinking about it and i thought you know maybe if they had a camera on the entrance to the property so they could see who was coming and going yes yeah i think that 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 might be okay but it would still kind of creep me out to that they would know exactly when I'm not there. Yeah, but it's their... You know, yeah, it's their property. It's their property. They're protecting their investment. And if you're outside, that is public space. Yeah. Whereas within... And this camera was within the home, in the living space. I'm just thinking about, you know, you're walking around naked or something. You don't want somebody watching you. Yeah, I told Mark about this story. And he was just like, oh my God, I hope... Our Airbnb in Chicago didn't have that. My place did. And I was like, well, 
<laughs> well, then you better be paying us some royalties, Andrew. That's all I have to I say. I got great footage of you and Mark. They were opening up my walls to actually install cameras, not to fix pipes. <laughs> I guess, like, I want to know what sort of privacy expectations do we have when we're staying in Airbnbs or even more broadly, just somebody else's home? Like, I knew for me, when I'm staying in an Airbnb, something that's really important is I want a host who's kind of hands off. I know some hosts are really hands on and they'll like have a room in their house where you can stay, but then you're having to be in the same living space as them and you might run into them in the hallway or something weird like that. And I don't like, I don't want to see you. Yeah, I don't either. You know what I mean? Like, I would rather you leave me a gate code and then just let me do my thing. I don't want you to greet me. I don't want you to give me keys. Yeah. Right. Just leave me alone. My most recent Airbnb. B&B was in the California desert. They uh, wrote to me online, hey, just walk in. The keys will be right there. So immediately I was like, oh, great. I don't even have to see these people. I didn't see them once and I loved it. So I agree with you. Hands-off approach. Ideally, never see you. Um, that's my number one rule when I'm, when I'm in Airbnb. And then the other one is that no cameras inside. If you want to have yeah. one, pointing Mm -hmm. like at the front door so you can see who's coming and going i can understand that but definitely no cameras (laughs) inside and also i'm pretty sure that airbnb sets up insurance policy so if you damage something they could get money from you for that i don't think there's a need to surveillance your belongings in there and also like maybe don't keep expensive shit you're super sentimental over in your airbnb yeah Because a lot of these places, too, like the last few places I've rented have been specifically converted for this particular business. Right. And I think you're seeing that more and more. Yeah. And you think how much turnover occurs. You could have potentially five different people staying there every week. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of opportunity for people to steal stuff. So, yeah, you should absolutely or just load it up with stuff you don't care about. This Airbnb I stayed in most recently there was tons of magazines and like little trinkets and stuff, but it was all stuff that seemed not of much value. And it right. actually crossed my mind. Like if I took something, would they even know? <laughs> Cause just so much. You would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why sometimes not? I see things left over from like either like, I don't know if like the person that owns the Airbnb leaves it there or if like somebody just bought it and left it there for the next person. And I always think like, what if they charge me for this one cup of coffee I'm going to make? Oh, I hope not. That's never happened, but. So Pauline is in the Discord talking about this right now. She said, this is not a new problem. Hidden cameras have been a problem in Airbnbs for a long while. It's just finally getting international attention instead of just circling in traveling groups like backpacker groups, travel bloggers and agents, etc. And honestly, Airbnb is so bad for the housing market, especially in big tourist cities. Barcelona is a great example where Airbnbs have seen a huge crackdown because they've made the housing market in the city center completely unaffordable for locals to remain. This is especially a problem in the rest of Europe. North Americans love staying in Airbnbs and they don't care if they hurt the local economy because why would they? They're there for a week to vacation, not to give a damn about how their ignorant travel habits hurt local economies. That's a fair point. And I know some hotels have actually like tried to sue Airbnb to kick them out of certain cities. But I mean, I don't know, this camera thing, it makes me wary. Yeah. 
It's just one of those risks that you take when you are staying in another yeah. person's place. What other things would we be okay with Airbnb hosts doing to make sure their home is safe and cared for? Strapping everything down. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I'm thinking, for instance, like when we stayed in Chicago to visit you and Pat, um, the person we never had to interact with her once she was super helpful when we needed something we would text her but we never saw her um but she did have some pretty strict rules surrounding the residents it was like we don't want any other people here apart from the people who are staying here so like for instance if you and pat had wanted to come over to have a little gathering i might have felt a little weird about it because she specifically said not to yeah and that's something like I'm okay with that because I'm just there for a few days. Right. Not trying to have a party in your penthouse. If you're visiting a city, you're not going to spend much of your time in the place that you're sleeping. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Yeah, the hands-off approach. I like like when they are very responsive. Like any good business person, you need to be really responsive for your customer. Uh, So if you can get a hold of them very quickly and they can solve something for you. Actually, I mentioned the smoke detector in the movie theater. One of the nights that I was staying in this Airbnb in the middle of the night, smoke detector went off or the, um, the low battery thing did. But instead of contacting them at like 11 o'clock at night, I just got up on a bench and pulled out the battery myself. But then they fixed it the next day. I was- and I notified them after I left. Because I didn't want to run into them. So they did it while I was out. I was going to say, and that's how Andrew died in a fire. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cool. We are actually going to continue this discussion in After Dark today with our Uber horror story and our own (laughs) horror stories from working with other companies like Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, maybe grocery delivery. Um, So we'll really dig into it there. But we'd also love to hear... Uh, from some of y'all in the Discord. So if you have your own horror stories, please go ahead and share those and you might hear them in After Dark today. This week's episode is also brought to you by Harry's. Harry's makes shaving an enjoyable experience. I've been using them for a few years now and I've, I'm never switching to anyone else. They've got high quality razor blades and other great grooming products at a very fair price. I love Harry's because they give me a close shave, a comfortable glide and a reliable product. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned, they knew a great shave doesn't come from gimmicks like vibrating heads and flex balls or handles that look like spaceships, tactics that the leading brand has used to raise prices for decades. They fix that by combining a simple, clean design with quality, durable blades at a fair price. They've received over 20,000 five-star reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Harry's replacement cartridges are just $2 each. That's half the price of the Gillette Fusion Pro Shield. And you know they believe in their product because they have a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't like the shave, that's not a problem. Just let them know and you will get a full refund. If they do that, you know they believe in what they're selling you. I want you to get Harry's trial set. You're going to love them and then you're going to switch and you'll never go elsewhere Get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, a weighted ergonomic handle, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, a travel blade cover. You'll get all that in the value trial set. Pat, you approve of all these products because uh, 
you still get close to me, right? <laughs> yes, and all of the products smell great too, which is a plus. I bet they smell really good in a Tesla. By the way, I was like, hey, Pat, I'm going to throw it to you for a comment. And he came up with some really dirty responses, which I approved none of them. But anyway, oh, come on, listeners, listeners of our show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash M-I-L-L. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash M-I-L-L to redeem your offer and let them know that I sent you to help support the show. Pat, what was one of your dirty responses? Do you remember? I remember. Are you sure you want me to say? <laughs> yeah, sure. I said a freshly clean face feels better on your butthole than one that isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's true. And Harry's is canceling. Okay, it's time now for... <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Surprise, bitch! Hello? Becky, surprise, bitch, it's Millennial. Uh, hi. <laughs> we have a new strategy here at Millennial. We let the caller know we're going to be calling them. <laughs> and then we're like, act really surprised. <laughs> I'm excited. How are you doing, Becky? Where Where are you in the country? I'm good. Um, I'm in Northern Virginia, like right outside the D.C. metro area. Oh, that's a lovely area. Do children get mm-hmm. vaccinated there? They do, and I am vaccinated. Oh, thank God. <laughs> we were talking earlier I mean, about bad movie-going experiences. Have you ever had a really bad one? Not like a terrible one, but I've had lots of times in general where, like, my main problem has been people bringing their infants or toddlers to, like, friggin' 10 p.m. movies. That drives <laughs> me nuts. And, like, babbling. I actually posted on Facebook, I think, the last time that happened, and I got a surprising amount of people argue with me. Really? Thinking that they thought it was okay. Yeah. See, I guess the parents are just trying to save a little money by not calling a babysitter. But on the other hand, you're ruining the movie-going experience of all these people in the theater. Right. I, I just think, like, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I guess I can't judge. But I think a sacrifice of being a parent is that you don't necessarily get to do all the things you want to do all the time if you can't get child care. So you should do child-appropriate activities. Instead right. of disrupting other people, but um, watch the movie at home. Yeah, exactly. It's the internet age. You can like find it online somewhere for free. I'm sure if you really yeah. want to. Yeah, torrent it illegally. Torrent Endgame illegally. <laughs> <laughs> right. What do you do for a living? Um, I work in the endlessly thrilling uh, real estate title insurance business. Um, Laura can probably attest I have an expensive master's degree I'm not using right now. <laughs> yeah, join the party. What was your master's Ooh. degree in? Um, museum studies and nonprofit management, which is why I work in real estate. <laughs> right, because you were like, I can't afford to work on a nonprofit salary. Yep, pretty much, especially in this area. It's called nonprofit. Yeah. yeah. Real estate title, you're helping people on closing day? Yeah. So like when you bought your condo, you probably, I don't know if you did, but you probably went to a title company to close or you have like your loan package. That's what we do. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I liked yeah. those people. Proper title. That's, I think they're. Oh, company. that's good because mm-hmm. most people hate us and we get blamed for all the issues that aren't our problem. Well, yeah, exactly. Maybe Sometimes. they should stop fucking up and then they wouldn't have a problem. <laughs> exactly. Is there something cool nearby where you live? that you wouldn't find on, say, TripAdvisor, but you would recommend people do? Like, what's a good secret in your area? A lot of things around here are well-known, like the D.C. historic sites and that kind of stuff. But 
Um, in the area of Northern Virginia, I live, it has, there's a ton of nice um, craft breweries and wineries. You can, if you're into that, you can make a really good day of it. That's one of my favorite things around here when the weather's nice. What's it like living so close to Donald Trump? Um, painful. <laughs> I've been down to slip off the uh, Trump Hotel several times. Does it feel good? I've never run across so him, but <laughs> yeah, got to do my part, you know. Yeah, I did get to go to the women. So that was great. The first one. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was a great day. What What song are you really digging right now? I don't honestly listen to that much popular music. I think most of what I listen to is from like 20 years ago. I'm into Korean pop a little bit because I'm a nerd. And Blackpink is a band that just came out with a a new album. I kind of really like them. I really liked that album too, by the way. Oh! Yeah. Of course Pam knows about it. (laughs) K-pop is a lot. We actually covered the a little bit on the hype like, a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm not into the fandom. Yeah. Of it. You just have to like have no fear and jump right in, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I would ever go to a concert because I'd be terrified of all the like screaming girls, but. <laughs> oh, could you imagine? It would be the worst. <laughs> yeah. What Blackpink song are you digging right now? Can you think of one off your head? Off the top of your um, head? Um. I think Kill This Love is the one that's on their new album that just came out. Kill This Love? Well, that's dark. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't really tell you what the content is because I don't speak Korean, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, got it. It's a good listen. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I've been listening to you guys since the very beginning of MuggleCast, pretty much, when I first got an iPad, so... An iPad? Thank you. An iPod. Oh, okay. I was going to say, you started listening to podcasts with a tablet. That's interesting. No, no, iPod back in the day. Probably like 2006, 7, I don't know. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I feel like you guys are my friends, so thank you. We are are your your friends. friends. Oh my God, that was creepy, Andrew. We are your friends. Love us, please, please. (laughs) We're over here like, one of us, one of us. (laughs) Except if you asked us to go to a Blackpink concert with you, we would probably make up an excuse. But... <laughs> Don't worry, I won't be there. I'm too scared. Okay. <laughs> thank you for your support. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. Oh, kind of cut her off. I'm so bad at cut, that. Cut off another listener. <laughs> Pat, I'm sorry. Uh, you prepared a closing song, but then I remembered Surprise Bitch, and they get priority. So fuck you. What was your closing song going to be, Pat? Oh, it was going to be another country song with a terrible rap verse. Oh, why would you <laughs> make us listen Huntland? to that? It's a song by Big and Rich that features Cowboy Troy. Cowboy Troy? Sounds like a porn actor. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> okay, well, great. Glad you were going to make us listen. So hey, for recommendations... A little bit. For recommendations this week, I recommend running the fuck out of your hot water before committing to a place, whether you're buying or renting. Go into the bathrooms, the kitchen, any other hot water sources, turn that on, make it run rapidly, and listen very carefully for any noise. I beg you all, do not go through what I have gone through. When this place was being inspected, I heard it. I heard those noises. And when I brought my agent over to listen with me they had stopped and i was too stupid to realize (laughs) how to make those noises occur again and man i wish i got those sellers on that they could have fixed this for me and i would have not have to gone through this but hey now i also installed some 
hidden cameras. So it's expensive, but <laughs> and worth millennial it. And stickers. Hey, I'm running my place on Airbnb now. Anyone want to come stay? <laughs> yeah, now now millennial stickers are hidden within the walls too, which is kind yeah, of Yeah, I mean, that's just going to increase your sell value. So for my recommendation, I want to recommend BuzzFeed Unsolved. Um, this is just a really fun show on YouTube. I don't know if any of you have ever watched it, but the hosts, Ryan and Shane, are just so great. And watching this show is actually one of mine and Mark's favorite pastimes because they cover a lot of unsolved crime cases, but they also do a lot of paranormal investigations. And they're just a lot of fun because one of the hosts totally believes in ghosts and the other one doesn't. So they have a really good chemistry and rapport and they play off of each other really well. So highly recommend. My recommendation is The Bold Type. Season three actually starts tomorrow. So I wanted to recommend it Uh, today. I felt like it was really fitting. If you haven't checked out The Bold Type yet, though, highly recommend. You can actually binge it on Freeform if you have an old fashioned cable subscription that includes that in your package, or you can actually watch both of the seasons that are out now on Hulu. It's just so much fun. It's uh, based off of free girls working in some way in the fashion industry. Um, So one's a editorial writer, one is trying to be a designer, and the other one is a social media editor. And it's just really good. And they really dive deep into a lot of topics that are really pertinent right now in terms of social justice and stuff like that. They're really kind of brave in the way that they tackle those. And I love the show so, so much. So please check it out if you haven't yet. I've been wanting to watch that because a girl from Faking It on MTV is one of the leads. Ooh, which one? Um, a brunette. <laughs> I feel like that could be like two people. She played like a in because faking it on MTV was great. It was these two girls that to get popularity decided to be lesbians. You know what? I feel like the old showrunner from that is now spearheading the uh, season three or season two and three. Oh, okay. That yeah. Makes sense. My recommendation is using your goddamn turn signal. Is that it? <laughs> you don't have anything to add? I just, like, I'm really tired of it, people. Like, don't be so fucking lazy. It's a little knob on the side of your steering wheel. Use it. A little knob. <laughs> you, you're supposed to be using it every time you turn, even if you're in a turn lane. The amount of times I see people in turn lanes in Chicago and they still don't use it. It's like, come on, bro. Fucking turn it on. Don't be lazy. Let the world know where you're going because the world doesn't revolve around you. He'll yell at people while we're driving. He'll also give me a look when I don't use my turn signal. And sometimes I'm in, I'm in a bad mood and he gives me the look and I'm like, oh, don't you fucking dare. <laughs> don't you fucking use it dare. because you're one short little move away from not doing it. And then you're going to fuck someone's life up. But I don't use the turn signal sometimes when there's no cars anywhere near me and he still gets mad at me. You should. I think it's because the, the habit, you're breaking the habit. So then you're less likely to do it even when you have to. Yeah. And I honk at every person in front of me who doesn't <laughs> use theirs. Oh, use their turn God. signal <laughs> and eat GMO food. Trust me, if I was a cop in Chicago, I would meet my quota in a heartbeat by pulling over every asshole who doesn't use their turn signal. The most hated cop in Chicago. <laughs> I would gladly wear that badge. We would love your support at patreon.com slash millennial because it funds everything we do here on the show. So we would really appreciate that. 
In exchange for supporting us, you will get benefits, including ad-free Millennial, Hashing It Out, which is our pre-show recording. You will get a monthly bonus episode called Landy, where Laura and I just shoot the shit for a good 45 minutes. You will also get bonus posts with just random stuff going on in our days. You also get early access to the show because you can listen to us record live. And you'll also be eligible for Surprise Bitch, for the co-hosting position. Also, there's associate producer status, meaning you can chime in on topics that we are talking about on the show. And uh, thanks to everybody who supports us at every level, because every little bit counts. One more time, Laura, what are we talking about in After Dark today? We're going to be talking about the Uber story literally from hell. And we're going to be using that to branch off into a conversation about our own hellish stories from our times using even, you know, like ride sharing services or Airbnbs or what have you. And we're about to talk about that. But first, some Black Pink. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And I'm Pat. Bye, Bye. everybody. Bye. That song is currently number five on Billboard's country charts. That was actually really catchy. I was uh, on Twitter. Pitchfork is reporting that uh, Lil Nas X is now number one on the Hot 100. That song is also number one on iTunes right now. Both versions it's, of it look are at number all that. one in the all US. All the buzz and outcry over Billboard removing it actually just made the song stronger. Exactly. Everybody has to listen for themselves. It was genius. Right. <laughs> Including us. Meanwhile, Joe Bros released a song like four days ago. It's number six. Losers. Yeah. <laughs>